The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back. It's Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-related podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, of course, being joined, as I always am, by Jamie D'Amico here on the podcast. And it's definitely uh, a depressing time for, for a lot of Bills fans. It's kind of a reality check uh, which Bills team is the real Bills team because I feel like we were so confident uh, heading into Jacksonville and with every reason to believe that Buffalo was going to steamroll one of the worst teams in the National Football League. And then my colleague Jamie D'Amico travels down to Jacksonville and gets to watch the misery in person. So, Jamie, I'm kind of going to blame you for this falling on their face effort. (laughs) Fairly or unfairly. (laughs) You know, it's it's funny because the Bills regularly lay an egg when I, when I go to see them. And usually the weather's horrible. Um, this time only half of that was the case because the weather actually became fairly nice down in Jacksonville. But let me tell you, it takes a lot out of you when you spend all that money and take all that time and you travel, you go, you pick the game because you assume the Bills are going to win because, you know, part of the whole experience is seeing your team win, right? Oh, yeah. You want to get that W. And you normally you would say if it's on the road, you want to, you know, kind of rub it in the other fans' faces a little bit. But the Jaguars fans are so apathetic that, you know, I'm sure that stadium from TV, at least, looked like it was <clears throat> predominantly a pro Buffalo crowd. Yeah, very much. And the Jags fans were very gracious hosts. They they were very nice. The stadium was gorgeous. Everything was great about it, except for the way the Bills played. And that was absolutely the worst. It was so bad that I was actually having dreams about the game that night. And I woke up in the morning and I'm like, are you kidding me? My subconscious can't even let in the fact that the Bills lost this game. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I don't know. Some okay. So I I know you guys did a podcast where you know you were talking about you know don't panic um, after the game, and it is one game. And here and here's the thing, you know. Okay, as 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 frustrating as that performance was, 
the defense still played like a top shelf unit, which has to be pointed out because you know how many times do you lose a game when you don't allow a touchdown and give up three total field goals two of which were set up by god awful turnovers you know by the offense this game reminded me a lot of the 10 to 5 debacle that the bills lost to the tampa bay buccaneers back in the 88 season uh, when the Mm. bills just could not do anything right they couldn't get out of their own way and that team still went on to great things uh, leading up to the super bowl run so i feel that's what i'm going to point my hat at jamie that the defense is still world class this is just a one week aberration i mean the nfl if anything we've we've shown time and time again that really it is it's it's not just that corny uh, al pacino movie it is on any given sunday a team can knock off anybody else and the bills i i guess the 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 point i'm making is i'm not worried about this team long term now if they lose this week to the jets uh in similar fashion then it's definitely time to start getting concerned but the point i want to bring up to you jamie in this rambling monologue is the point I'm most worried about is something that Shaquille Griffin uh, from the Jaguars brought up. He was because he was commenting that it seemed like the Bills were disinterested on the sidelines and that they just didn't want it, didn't have the effort to put forward. That's not something we're used to with the Sean McDermott team. That's right. Even Sal Capaccio pointed that out during the game, which was, hey, these guys don't have any energy. What the hell happened? Because McDermott's teams show up and play hard even when they have nothing to play for. Well, this team has everything to play for. This team has Super Bowl aspirations. They know they're good. Maybe they started believing their own hype and said, you know what? We can turn it on at any second and we're going to be fine. And I blame, I do blame McDermott for that. I blame the coaching for a lot of what happened against Jacksonville. That Horrible decision to um, to decline a penalty, which accepting would have taken Jacksonville out of field goal range. Naturally, they made that field goal. Brian Dable not making adjustments to the offense when he realized that the offensive line just was not holding up. There's things you can do to mitigate that. You do your jet sweeps, your moving pockets, your um, your designed rollouts, your, all of those things can help a defense or can help against a defense that has a pass rush that is beating down your offensive line. None of that seemed to happen until maybe like the fourth quarter. And in that case, I feel like Josh Allen made the decision to do it himself. Yeah, no, you're right. A lot of this has to fall on the coaching staff. I thought Brian Dable had one of his worst game calling efforts uh, in his time in Western New York. I did not understand especially around the goal line, the constant reliance on the play action. When you know that the running game is giving you next to nothing outside of when Josh is doing his scrambling, you know, the Bills weren't getting anything from the ground game. They had 22 total yards on the ground from Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. So why would the Jaguars respect the run when it comes to the play action part of it towards the goal line? I felt like the Bills got too cute and too complicated and then didn't actually make the in-game adjustments that they needed to. And that solely falls on Brian Dable. He's the one who is putting the offense 
in a position to succeed or fail. And a lot of times too, I felt like not to take Josh off the hook. Josh made some terrible throws. I mean, that one interception Mm -hmm. when he's falling down about to get sacked and he just throws it up over the middle. And of course it gets picked off and sets up one of the Jaguars field goals. It was a return to the hero ball of Josh Allen from 2018 and 2019. And that was also a very troubling sign. Yes, and as a result, it sounded like practice this week was a somber and not fun place to be, um, which is probably exactly what needed to happen. Now, my, my question is, who are these Buffalo Bills? Are these Buffalo Bills a team that, despite beating Miami by 15 points, didn't look good for half of the game and then proceeded to Jacksonville and laid an egg? Or is this the team that, you know, whooped up on the Texans? We know that this is the team that has lost to teams with winning records. So what does that make them? I feel like the Bills are a lot like most of the AFC and that there's not that one juggernaut squad outside of possibly the Tennessee Titans who are running roughshod over everybody, including a very impressive win over the Rams on Sunday Night Football. The Bills are a good team, not a great team. They have a great defense that will keep them in their games. I I, I want to give them a second chance, though, when it comes to the offensive woes because you're going to see a big difference, I feel like, on Sunday with tackle Spencer Brown returning to action, and more importantly, with Dawson Knox coming back. And yes, he's a great pass catcher, but I want to laud Dawson Knox for what he does in the blocking part of the offense, because with Brown back and with Knox back, the Bills' offensive line is going to get better just by default. I mean, they were a terrible unit against Jacksonville, and you would see, I mean, my gosh, Daryl Williams has fallen off a cliff, uh, and, and that was really frustrating when you would see how his play was atrocious. Cody Ford, goodbye. That experience is absolutely done. He should never see the field again in meaningful action. So I feel like that's a lot of what I'll give the the blame for the offense failing last week was just how atrocious this offensive line was. And therefore, when you bring back Brown and you bring back Knox and Feliciano, this unit's going to get better. It has to. There's no, no other direction it can go because that offensive line played horrifically. And while the running backs don't really have the speed or the agility to make things happen on their own, um, the offensive line was really the big story and why the run couldn't happen. And when you have a team that's playing a two deep zone and keeping the safeties deep, you beat that by running the ball. And if the Bills have no ability to run the ball, it's going to be a long day. And that's, that's exactly what it was. But oh, bef- before I get into what I was about to get into, I was I was going to say that the Jets, the Jets seem like the kind of team you would get it right against. However, the past two weeks have proven to me I know nothing about football. I predicted a stomping of the Miami Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And even though the Bills beat the Dolphins by 15 points and covered the spread, I feel like the game wasn't as, or the game was closer than the score indicated. I I just can't predict what's going to happen anymore. I feel like there's a lot of that going around, Jamie. I mean, you and I both predicted massive uh, wins for the Bills in the last two weeks. 
the the thing with the Jets that I feel like I don't know this could be the perfect elixir though to get this offense back on track because the Jets are absolutely atrocious on the defensive side of things. The Jaguars were a middling unit on defense. The Jets are the worst in the league in points allowed, in yards allowed per game. They really struggle to contain. And I look at the uh, the game with the Colts that they had on Thursday night football. They gave up 280 rushing yards. Now, Jonathan Taylor is a beast, but they were allowing Naheem Hines to run wild, both through up the middle plays and screen passes. And the Colts have a good offensive line too, but I feel like this is where the Bills offensive line has to reassert itself. They have to get back. There's an ego that comes with playing football. And these guys have been battered, bruised, and humiliated over the last two weeks with how bad their play has been. And I'm telling you, with Spencer Brown coming back, I think that's going to be an automatic boost to this offensive line. One thing I really want to talk about, Jamie, I want to get your opinion on this because you know a lot about X's and O's and the, the terminology of football. The Bills love to run those run pass options. They are one of the most uh, top-ranked teams. I believe they run an RPO on 18% of their plays. And for people that are listening, wondering what an RPO is, an RPO is basically letting Josh Allen decide whether he is going to take on a safety or a linebacker by running uh, with the ball or whether he's going to pull the ball back down and try to challenge the defense with a pass downfield. It basically gives the Bills a numbers advantage either way because Josh can either run the ball himself, he can hand the ball off to a running back, or he can take advantage of a weakness in the zone and find an open receiver uh, through the passing game. But it feels like, Jamie, the Bills are relying a little bit too much on the run-pass option this year. Their ratio is double this year what they were running of the RPOs last year. Double. They did 9% of their plays were RPOs last year. This year, it's 18%, the fourth most in the league. And the reason I bring this up is, in theory, you might say, John, why are you calling out a run-pass option? That seems to play into Josh Allen's strengths. And it does on the surface. But the concern I have is the offensive line, when you've got an offensive line that is in the RPO, they are not able to fire off of the line of scrimmage with the same explosiveness and the same physicality that they would otherwise, which hinders their ability to block. And it specifically hinders their ability to run block because they're not able to get out and be as aggressive because they're not sure what Josh is going to do. If you have a run pass option and Josh throws the ball versus running it, your lineman could be too far downfield. They could be illegally downfield by the time Josh releases that ball. So they have to be very careful with how they're recognizing their blocking schemes in a run pass option. That's a long-winded way of saying, I wonder if the Bills are going to scale back on that to play more to this offensive line's strengths and allow them to get back to the basics versus getting a little fancy. That's a very interesting thought. And I think that the RPO, you're right. It it plays to Josh Allen's strengths, and it puts a strain on the mid-level, the linebackers, because what it's going to do is either bring them up to the line of scrimmage and you throw it behind them or they play too far back and then you have running lanes in front of you. But the way the offensive line has played, it's really as though the defense can key on Josh Allen and just let the running backs get the ball, you know, because the running backs have shown that they can't do much. Now I didn't realize that they were run that they were running the RPO 18% of the time. And I also didn't think about the, well, the strain that it puts on the offensive line 
Um, those are very astute observations. And I'm not sure I have a strong opinion on it other than to say the offense has been struggling the past couple of games, and they have been doing an awful lot of that. So I think you've got something there. I I think so, too. I feel like it's definitely a a glaring issue. And I feel like where it comes down to the most – you know, not all yards are created equal. And if the Bills are running their run pass options deep in their own zone or if they're near even the midfield marker, that's different than running it when it gets congested in the red zone. And the Bills have specifically been relying on RPOs quite a lot in the red zone to very little success this year. And again, a lot of that comes to teams not respecting and fearing Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, but they also know, again, the offensive line is at a disadvantage, I feel like, in this situation. So that's really one of the things to watch on Sunday. Will Brian Dable dial back the run pass options or will he do more of them on the rate that the Bills have run them with maybe a Matt Breida back there because the Bills got to try something to fix this running game. It is just not working with Singletary and Moss. Well, undoubtedly, Matt Breida is going to be out on the field on Sunday because Zach Moss is dealing with a concussion. And I don't think that the Buffalo Bills are going to let him suit up. Or if he does, he's probably going to be the number three option because they're going to look for something new. One of the issues that has been created by the running backs are the fact that they don't have the speed to grab extra yardage. They're shifty. They've got decent vision. Speed is not part of their game. Uh, We're going to see Breida out there for sure. And I think that's a good opportunity for the Bills to try something different. Like when it, when we were talking about the running game, getting back on track and, you know, letting the Bills take the because everyone knows how Buffalo's offense is predicated on Josh Allen making plays and especially winning the game with his arm. But as great as he has been, they need balance. You just cannot win in this league if you are solely a passing team. And that's where I feel like. As much as you know, you want to malign the offensive line. If there's a different running back back there, someone who has that speed, that you know, when there's very little time for a running back to make room for himself because the offensive line is getting pushed around, you need a speedy guy who can recognize a hole when there is a sliver and dart his way through to green space. And I feel like Brita is that guy who was not really given much of a chance. I believe he only has four or five snaps as an active member of the Bills this year. And a lot of that was the Bills' confidence in Moss and Singletary. Well, with Moss questionable due to the concussion, you're right. Let's see what Breda can do. And with Spencer Brown coming back again, I feel like the offensive line is going to perform better. This seems like a good buy low situation for the Bills' ground game. Yes. Don't get too high on Matt Breda. He does not have the vision that the other running backs do. You basically tell him which direction to go, and he goes that direction. He's not going to do a lot of, oh, let's call it a lot of improvisation when it comes to figuring out which hole to hit. That's not his game. Um, you, I saw somebody write on Twitter that you basically have to escort him to the hole that he's supposed to run through, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Um, so, you know, that's the reason he's not getting on the field too often, um, with a, with an offensive line that isn't opening holes consistently and the running backs have to be more judicious about which direction they have to go. 
you know, that's just not uh, what Brita is cut out for. However, if the play is to get him out on the edge or to throw him some short passes, then I think you're going to see something uh, something interesting there. I, yeah, you're right. I think there's some untapped potential, uh, especially if the screen game. Yeah, the, the screen game could be a really good way to get Brita involved in the offense early. And then maybe you turn to more of a cutback, uh, good vision guy like a Devin Singletary. This could still be that nice change of pace offense that the Bills need to have if they have that type of thunder and lightning if you will, with uh, Breda going outside or Breda doing the screen work and Singletary doing what he's doing best, which is being elusive. Because again, as much as we malign Devin Singletary, he still is a really, I think he still has a lot of potential in this offense. And what I want to point to is, is one of these stats right here. He only has 355 rushing yards on the year, but he's averaging nearly five yards per carry. His yards before contact per attempt, he is the 12th best back in the league, getting more than 2.7 yards per uh, per attempt before contact. And it's up from 1.5 yards per attempt last year. So those are a really strong numbers. Now, granted, they're they're boosted by a good early season performance uh, when he came out of the gate hot. But the offensive line, what's been the difference? The offensive line has been banged up, and especially the last couple of weeks, missing Brown and missing Feliciano. I think there's an opportunity for sure. Man, you are good with those statistics. Whew. So... In order for the Bills to get back on track, I am going to need to see a much calmer Josh Allen, and I'm going to need to see the offensive line get a bit of a push. They're going to need to... If they, if the offensive line does not block better, you're not going to see a calm Josh Allen. And when I don't see a calm Josh Allen, I'm not happy because, because a rabid, excited Josh Allen has a tendency to be hero ball Josh Allen, which is not superstar Josh Allen, which is the guy that we all love. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. One of the areas I want to get to in our preview here of the uh, the Jets here on Believe is the offensive line not only has the challenge of, again, opening those holes and trying to get the ground game going, but they're going to be staring down a pretty potent pass rusher in Quinnen Williams. What do you think the Bills' chances are in this matchup of trying to slow down the talented Jets rusher? Because he really could hold the whole key to New York trying to disrupt Buffalo's offense. Yeah. He's got four and a half sacks, and he's finally kind of coming into his own. Um, the guy's a good player. He doesn't strike fear in me, merely because the New York Jets have given up 130 yards. No, I'm sorry, 130 points the last three weeks combined. And two of the last three games, they've given up like 500 yards of offense. Their defense is playing horribly. So Quinton Williams, yeah, he might be good, but double team the guy. Who are you going to be worried about? Shaq Lawson? 
Obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> Former Buffalo Bill Shaq Lawson, who is not having a great season, you know, with the Jets. And you're right. The Jets defense is, again, atrocious. They're giving up 32 points per game. They're giving up the most yards per game in the league. They're getting torched on the ground game. I just had to pick somebody, Jamie, to do one of those questions of like, what can the Bills do to contain this guy? Because he's really the the, the straw that stirs the drink that is the Jets defense. Yeah. Yes, him, C.J. Mosley is is a great player. They have very fast uh, uh, linebackers out there. The The defensive backs just aren't good. I, let me read these names off to you. At corner, they have Brandon Eccles and Bryce Hall. At safety, they have Ashton Davis and Sherrod Neesman. And that is because Marcus May is out on injured reserve. Um, LaMarcus Joyner is out on injured reserve. Marcus May especially is a fantastic player. Marcus May, to me, is one of the best safeties in football. Uh, I, I don't think he gets his due despite the fact that he plays in New York. So the Bills have backup safeties on the field for this game. There's no reason that they can't pass the ball at will or really strain this defense by throwing to people going across the middle, whether it be tight ends, running backs, or deep post routes. It's just, I I don't see how they're going to be able to keep up with it. And despite having a couple of nice players, dude, 500 yards of offense in consecutive games. That's insane. (laughs) <laughs> it is the the Jets are a dumpster fire when it comes to their defense and that's where again I we've talked about the offensive line and the ground game but this is really you know I think Josh Allen needs to get back to what we saw in the Dolphins uh, win earlier this year both of the Dolphins games really were you know you saw in the second half especially of that 26 to 11 victory Josh had his swagger Josh had his mojo working he was making the connections with the receivers he was scrambling when he needed to and I feel like the opportunities are there for Josh Allen to break out and to get back on track with the offensive weapons that we talked about with Dawson Knox coming back. You know, Stephon Diggs, even though he's not having the the greatest year, he's still having a really good year uh, given what this Buffalo offense is capable of. What I want to see is Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. If Cole's able to play especially, they should be able to take advantage all day of some pretty soft matchups. I would think so. I, I, I would think so. But, you know, that's that's not what concerns me, though. It's it's what can the Bills do? Can they get out of their own way? Because you know that this defense can't stop anybody. The Bills stopped themselves last week. Okay, granted, the Jags had a very good game plan. But the Bills, top to bottom, organizationally, they stopped themselves. So, you know. I, I'm I'm looking at the injuries that the Jets have. It's just it's unbelievable. Like Carl Lawson is, is out. Um, good pass rusher. So they've got John Franklin Myers starting at uh, left defensive end. Um, you know, it just it goes on and on. So it's not a shock that they're giving up points. So this is a get well game for the Bills on offense. 
It really is. Defense. It has to be a it has to be a get well game. This has to be a get right opportunity. And especially when the fact that you look at what Cole Beasley does operating out of the slot to take advantage of those weak matchups. And yeah, Marcus May's absence is going to be huge. It's really hard to stare down a two safety, a two deep coverage with two safeties back there. If one of them is not Marcus May and actually feel intimidated by this Jets defense. Absolutely. And I may be switching subjects on you too soon, but Mike it. White, the backup quarterback who has come in for the New York Jets, has all the makings of Jeremy Lin and Lin Sanity from the New York Knicks years ago, does he not? He has definitely had that kind of flash in the pan celebrity uh, status, if you will, after beating the I mean, he really had one great game against the Bengals and he played one quarter against the Colts before hurting his hand. He look, he's a feel good story. You know, he's he's the guy that, you know, was a forgotten man behind the number two overall pick Zach Wilson for the Jets. But I'm not I think the Bills are going to crush Mike White's Cinderella story on Sunday. You think so? <laughs> I mean, the Bills do not let rookie quarterbacks get to them. They have Sean McDermott's teams, especially, have dominated when it comes to facing rookie quarterbacks. I mean, look at what Trevor Lawrence did last week. He got demolished. He had nothing downfield to take advantage of. The Jet, the Jaguars, got their points off of turnovers for the most part. Um, and I know that you know, with with Mike White, he's a Cinderella story, and there's not really a lot of tape. Uh, to go off of other than the one game and the one quarter. But the Bills have terrorized opposing quarterbacks through eight games. No one has a 300-yard passing game this year against the Bills. Even with Tremaine Edmonds out, I feel like the Bills are going to make life miserable for Mike White. I don't think he's going to continue that Cinderella story. In his first game against the Bengals, he threw for 405 yards with an 82 completion, a completion percentage of 82.2. Absolutely unbelievable, right? Those are those uh, are like video game like Madden numbers that they're putting up against the Bengals. But here's the thing: he had the fewest air yards per pass attempt of anybody in the NFL that week. Yet somehow he went over 400 yards. So you know what that tells me? He's Trent Edwards. <laughs> he is Captain Checkdown himself. I don't know if you recall. I know, well, I know you recall, but do the listeners recall? Trent Edwards would not throw the ball to anybody who wasn't standing still staring at him. He never <laughs> threw to anybody who was in the process of running a route. I'm willing to bet you that's exactly what Mike White is. Like, he is not going to threaten you deep. He is probably going to keep everything under 15 yards, so you can really compress the defense there. And they have, they're without their starting, uh, their starting tight end, our very familiar friend, Tyler Croft. I, I mean, that, that takes away, that, that takes away one of the weapons. Corey Davis is questionable. Denzel Mims is out. Jamison Crowder is a good receiver. Um, their left tackle, Mackay Becton, is out. Um, I, I think he's fantastic, actually. Mackay Becton, I, I, I think he's going to have a great career. Um, this offense should struggle because, let's face it, last week in that debacle against the Jaguars, the only person who proved themselves was Leslie Frazier. 
yep, that defense came up big time. And, you know, when you talk about the the the, the Jets and their offense, I actually watched a lot of um, the, the Bengals highlights to see what Mike White was doing well. And you're right. He is captain check down. He loves to throw running back screen passes. And Michael Carter is one of his dynamic running backs. A guy named Ty Johnson had a really solid performance running the ball. But that's what the Jets do with their offense. It's quick strike. It's getting the ball out of his hands very quickly because you're right. Their offensive line is in shambles. Their wide receiver core is 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 suspect. Although Elijah Moore is having a pretty nice rookie season. Um, and he had a really good game with, of all people, Josh Johnson uh, was the Jets quarterback who stepped in and had 300 yards passing uh, in the loss to the Colts in a game where the Colts were kind of like, all right, we're up big, do what you're going to do. We're still going to win this game. And, you know, Josh Johnson led a couple of, of touchdown drives, but they're not an offense that's to be feared. And Leslie Frazier's squad is, again, the one constant. They're playing at a Super Bowl caliber level with that defense. That's why I feel like Mike White's Cinderella story is going to end on Sunday. As much as you want to root for an underdog, his his dreams are going to be crushed with this defense, I feel like, because the Bills are going to get after him, make life miserable. Look at what they've done to Taylor Heineke, Davis Mills, and Trevor Lawrence, guys who were rookies or second or inexperienced quarterbacks. Those three combined for 417 passing yards in three games two touchdowns and six interceptions. And Mike White is going to throw picks on Sunday. Mark that down. You think so? Why do you think the picks are going to happen if he's not throwing the ball more than three yards downfield? Because I feel like the Bills now have enough tape of him to know what his tendencies are. And if you and I, casual fans, can pick up the fact that he loves the captain checkdown mode, even with Tremaine Edmonds out, the Bills are going to have people in place to limit the running backs, which is going to force him to go aerial, go downfield with the ball, and the Bills are going to have a field day. Yeah, it's it's how you play against a team like this. You compress the defense. You bring them up. You bring the safeties up. Yeah, Corey Davis can get behind you. Yes, um, you know they have some nice receivers out there, but just have guys near the line of scrimmage where they can obviously make the tackle quickly, keep everything in front of you. And that's exactly what Leslie Frazier and the defense are going to do, even with, again, it is huge that Tremaine Edmonds is sidelined uh, with his hamstring injury. That is definitely something that's going to hurt the Bills. But again, I feel like the Bills have enough depth. on. And another loss, too, is Justin Zimmer, by the way, is now out for the year on season-ending oh, IR. Hurts. He's having he was having such a good year for the Bills defense at a position where they really needed consistency. He's a gritty player. That's going to be a big loss for the Bills. It really is. He's so much like maybe not the most talented player, but he definitely has the heart and soul feel out there. The coaches love him. His teammates love him. He just is all effort all the time. He hustles like nobody's business. You watch plays and he is just trucking all over the place, trying to make tackles 20 yards downfield, which is obviously not his job. And it's just, it's so unfortunate that he has this injury. And on the negative front, that means we're going to see more of Vernon Butler, which is something I really didn't want to see more of this year. Yeah, I was hoping we could have put that to bed, uh, getting him out there, because he has not been a fun player to watch. Neither has uh, has A.J. Klein, but he's going to get called upon. I mean, Klein is better than Butler. They're different positions, I know. But, you know, Klein, at least, you know what you're getting, and he can do well against the run. He's going to have to play a 
pretty solid game against the uh, opposing running backs when it comes to those screen passes that White's going to look to do to, again, Carter and Ty Johnson. Or you bring in a guy like a Terrell Dodson uh, to fill in as well. The linebacking depth is going to be a challenge on Sunday, but thank goodness they're playing the Jets and not a, a higher caliber offensive squad. Yeah, but you can be sure that the Jets are going to try to find ways of getting A.J. Klein matched up on the backs and the tight ends just because he's not that fast. He he plays the run and blitzes much better than he plays in coverage. So you know we'll see what the Bills are going to scheme up to try to compensate for the loss of Tremaine Edmonds, who's really having his best year as a pro. I have been so enthused by Edmonds this year. And you could have easily counted me as part of the crowd that felt that Tremaine Edmonds was overrated, and I don't believe that anymore. I can't wait to one day do a Why Tremaine Edmonds is Such an Underrated Player podcast because I have been tooting his horn all of this year saying how the Bills fans, for some reason, are not giving this guy the respect that he deserves. Around the rest of the league, Tremaine Edmonds is lauded as being one of the best up-and-coming linebackers. But for some reason in Western New York, the guy can't catch a break with the fans. I don't know why that is, but his numbers have been phenomenal this year. And hopefully one day, maybe through our podcast, the Bills fans will appreciate what Edmonds brings to the table. Are you sure you want me to be a part of that? I'd like to go uh, point counterpoint with you because I, I, I want to try to win you over back to my side, buddy. You usually do. You know, you come armed with statistics and facts that are just so far beyond my comprehension. You are the real life stat boy. <laughs> stat boy <laughs> nerd. <laughs> it's funny because Jamie and I are both basically nerds who uh, you know are sitting out here talking football on Believe a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. And by the way, Matt Milano too is going to have a lot of say in the defense when it comes to Sunday's game. I feel very confident though that with AJ Klein, as long as Matt Milano is able to handle the backs in coverage and Klein's able to do the run stuffing and the blitzing, uh, that's going to really be a good effort for Buffalo to to get after the Jets on offense. And Jamie, you're right. This whole time we've been talking, we've mentioned the phrase get right. This is a get right week and a get right game for the Bills who need to come out and prove. Look, we just saw the Baltimore Ravens lose to a Jets uh, to a Dolphins team on Thursday night football 22 to 10. We have seen every week this week every every game basically this year there's been a a, a team that's lost that you didn't think was going to lose. I mean the Dallas Cowboys get down 30 to nothing to the Denver Broncos with Dak Prescott returning. You know, you see these games week in and week out. I'm hoping and praying that it was just an aberration and that this week we're going to see the real Buffalo Bills stand up. So in that vein, what are your thoughts for how this game is going to play out and give us a score prediction? The Bills are going to drop 40 on the Jets' defense. The Jets, they're going to confound the Bills a little bit. I think you're going to see 40 to 16. I would love... Because that would really put everything to bed if the Bills offense just breaks out. And I again, I'm feeling very confident that the offense will break out because, again, of all the reasons you mentioned, the injuries in the secondary, the injuries along the line, the Jets are a banged up unit. And Carson Wentz had a field day along with the, the ground game for the Colts on Thursday Night Football, putting up 45 points. Part of, part of me, Jamie, though, was a little hesitant to go for the 40, which I've been calling for the last couple of weeks because this offense, I've lost a little bit of faith, but I'm with you. I think they're going to get back on track. I can't go as far as 40. I'll say Buffalo wins this one 33 to 16. Hmm, that's a good score, too. 
because that way it's a comfortable victory. It might be closer. Remember, the last time these two teams played, the Bills also did not score a touchdown, but they rolled up 400 yards of offense, and Tyler Bass was a superhero with six field goals. I think the Bills find the end zone this week, but it's, it's you know, the Jets have a way of playing the Bills tough. Divisional games, you know, they're very difficult to predict. Divisional games give most teams fits because they're so familiar with each other. But you know what? Robert Sala hasn't proven that he's a great in-game head coach yet. So we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, we both have them winning. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen here. McDermott will have this squad ready. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's the closing point I want to make. I feel like anytime if you're hearing national people and you're hearing Sal Capaccio talk about effort getting questioned and the desire to win not being there, that's humiliating for a coach to hear that. For an opposing player to say that your team wasn't trying, that your team wasn't interested in winning, he's going to take that to heart. And you've heard that there has been no dancing at the Bills' practices. It's been a very, like, business-like effort. That's why I expect the Bills to carry that momentum over to Sunday and steamroll the Jets and get this thing back on track. Amen, buddy. Well, win, lose, or draw, you can get involved with this podcast. We want to hear your thoughts. How will the Bills fare? Will they get back in the win column in Week 10 against the Jets? You can tweet at Jamie D'Amico. He is the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. You can also comment on our articles on buffalorumblings.com. For my esteemed colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino, signing off here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. (laughs) 